good morning and grace and peace to you from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We are in Mark chapter 14. So if you would open your own copies of God's Word or you can look in your worship folder in front of you in order to be in Mark 14. Mark 14 admittedly is a long chapter of Mark. Mark is usually known for being like cut to the chase. He's always moving forward, but Mark 14 slows down. Mark 14 contains Jesus' last night before his betrayal and crucifixion. And it contains all that happens between his anointing for his death with the Passover and the institution of the Lord's Supper. And now in in these words from verses 26 to 42, he is describing for us what happens when Jesus leaves that upper room and has his last moments through the night before he's actually taken away. And so the question we have as we come is what will happen? How will Jesus and his disciples spend these last moments together? Let's read Mark chapter 14, verses 26 through 42. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You all will fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they fall away, oh, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. (coughs) Excuse me. But Peter said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, if all things are possible, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping, taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray together as we read God's word. Lord God, would you help us to have understanding? Would you give us the strength to comprehend what it means to read and study (coughs) this chapter? Would you send your spirit to speak in and through us this morning? Would you use even me as a broken vessel? Would you speak? Because we are listening to you into your word. And that is what we need. 
So we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to describe to you as we begin a scene that I can guarantee that you've seen in some TV or some movie. Not because I know exactly what you've watched in your free time, but because this happens all over the place in all kinds of TV shows and all kinds of movies. It's that temptation scene. It's the scene where you've been following a character that you love for a long time, but your character's gotten into a tight spot, whether that's from vices they're working through or from a tough situation, and your character needs a solution, needs an answer to their problem. He's talking with a friend, and the friend is talking with him, and suddenly drops a little hint that the potential solution's in the room, and then the friend who trusts the guy, he walks away. And then the camera pans, and your character looks down out of the corner of the eye, and there it is. The safe was left cracked open. The bottle of whiskey is in the corner of the room. There's a computer that's still unlocked, and he can go and find all the little information in order to do the spy stuff. It's everywhere. You've seen this scene, I'm sure. You can probably imagine it in whatever favorite TV show or movie you have. And the reason it's everywhere is not just because it's popular or easy. It's because it really works. It's because this scene exposes our human nature and how we interact with temptation. This scene in all of these shows, it works because you and I have had a moment where we have looked out of the corner of our eye and we've seen that thing we needed or we thought we needed and we have gone for it. As we come into this passage this morning, if you replace that bag full of money conveniently sitting in the corner of the room with the desire to sleep, or maybe later on in this night, the desire for safety. We have that exact kind of scene here in Mark 14. And it's exposing in us the fact that we are human and temptations are always going to come. It's exposing in us how weak and how susceptible we are to falling into temptation and sin. But it's also showing us Christ's strength and his ability to conquer and stand in the midst of temptation. And therefore showing us a promise that temptation doesn't have the last word. So let's look at this passage together and just firstly we'll look at our human, common, familiar relationship with temptation. Seeing that since we're human, as temptations come, what they do is that they prey and attack on our weaknesses. What strikes me when I read this passage is when Peter's interacting with Jesus, when the disciples are interacting with Jesus, it strikes me how familiar this is. In verse 27, Jesus flat out says, you all will fall away. He knows that he is about to be betrayed and arrested and he's telling them, hey, I know you're not going to be with me. You're going to fall away. And Peter responds in verse 29 saying, looking at all of his friends standing next to him, well, these, other, these 11 guys, these other guys sitting with me, even if they fall away, no, not me. I will not. There's no way. He couldn't imagine a world where he would fall away and deny Jesus. And he states it pretty emphatically. A few verses later, he says, if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never deny you. I think that's part of the reason that when Peter falls asleep and all the disciples fall asleep, he doesn't talk to everybody. Jesus addresses Peter and he says, Simon, are you asleep? 
You couldn't watch for just one single hour? I thought you were going to die with me without denying me. But here I, I said, watch and pray. I said, stay here and watch for those who are coming for me. And you're falling asleep. Simon, your spirit may be willing, but your flesh is oh so weak. That's really familiar. You and I both know for ourselves how easy it is for our firmest convictions and our desires for life to slip away in the midst of weakness and weariness. Right? We imagine that we'll never be the kind of person that would yell in anger at our spouse or our children or our friends or our loved ones. And then after the longest day we've had at work, out it comes. It spews out. We don't even know where the words came from. We regret that they came out. Or you imagine that you would never be the kind of person to abuse alcohol, drugs, the pleasures of this world as a crutch for life. And then life gets us down for a season and suddenly they look like a pretty promising solution to our pains. Right? We want to be a faithful steward for our, of our money. But after years of a tight budget, it suddenly looks a little bit easier to fudge the numbers on your taxes. We say we want to stay oh so faithful to God, but I'm exhausted. I got one more piece of bad news, and now I'm just wondering, is there any benefit in staying faithful? Lord, where are you? We've all experienced those moments when we are weak and tired and temptations waltz right by us and they take hold. And we respond exactly like the disciples in verse 40. And I I find a little bit of comfort in this. Where they respond to Jesus, it simply says, they did not know what to answer him. Jesus, I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry, I I don't even know where that came from. And then on the other hand, it's possible to be like Peter in another way where we have had some recent successes and we've been fighting our sin and we're really thankful, but then we stop praying as often and we stop watching out for those areas in our life that we know are problem spots and then we grow overconfident. And then we end up in the situation where our spirit may be strong, but our flesh is weak and We've forgotten about that. We've forgotten that Jeremiah says our hearts are deceitful. And we ignore the fact that our enemy, the devil, would love nothing more than to kill and steal and destroy. We've all had brothers and sisters, I'm sure, who we used to think of as having really strong faith. People who we imitated, people who we loved and looked up to, and they have sinned in some grievous way that has hurt us. Whether that's a pastor we have loved and followed or known, whether that's a family member who has taught us the elements of our faith since we've grown up, and they hurt us. A best friend that betrays us. We've all had people who are reminders to us that it's possible to feel very strong and yet remain very weak because we are human. We are people. We have sin dwelling in us no matter what. And so let me encourage you here just to say, look for your weaknesses. 
Like, look for the times of day when you are more susceptible to falling. Maybe it's when it's dark outside instead of when it's light outside. You are a lot more likely to do those things. Look for the temptations that when they come right by, you know they're going to gain traction in your heart. Watch for them and pray about them, as Jesus tells us to do. And when you do that, just be aware that as you ask the Lord to show you your sin, it's probably going to hurt because he's going to show you things that you do all the time. And so turn to Christ quickly. Turn to Christ quickly to know that his shed blood washes us clean of the sins from yesterday and today and tomorrow. We don't have to be afraid that Christ will stand distant and far away and just look down us on us in shame. No, instead, the other, another thing we see in this passage is that it's not just the disciples that were tempted in their weakness. We also see that Christ in this passage himself is feeling weak and being tempted. We see that Christ himself is human and is tempted and therefore he understands our temptations better than we do. As Jesus was coming into the Garden of Gethsemane, he would have known he was about to die. And it seems that he's beginning to really grapple with the reality that what he has to do on the cross is absorb the wrath of God against sin for his beloved people. Jesus is realizing that his intimacy with the Father at least in his humanity, is going to be turned away a little bit so that he can bear our punishments. And that, I imagine, hurts. I imagine that is a deeper pain and a deeper sorrow than any of us have ever felt. He says in verse 34, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. He says, it hurts so bad I could die right now. He says in verse 35, as he's falling on the ground, not on his knees in prayer, he is falling on his face in the dirt. He's crying out, Lord God, if possible, take this cup away from me. Let this hour pass. If there is any other way, Lord, that would be great. Yet not what I will, but what you will. As Jesus is feeling the beginning of God's justice against sin, It's the perfect moment for our enemy, the devil, to come and harass and accuse and tempt him. I think that's part of why we see his prayer to the Father as he's saying, Lord God, if there is any other way, that seems kind of great. But not what I will, what you will. Now, if you're like me, we come to passages like this and it begins to be a little bit hard for us to deal with because we know on the one hand, Christ is God. And so it was actually impossible for him to ever sin at all. And that is true and good and praise be to God. And on the other hand, we need to remember that Christ is fully human. And if you'd like to dive deep into the two natures of Christ, that is, there's a place in this family to do that with brothers and sisters here But it's important to remember Christ's humanity. We emphasize all the time the fact that Jesus is God for really good reason, but we sometimes forget to think about what it's like for him to be human. 
and to be tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. That's what we're seeing here. We're seeing Jesus' humanity on full display. You and I have had a moment, I'm sure, where a very difficult time has come to us. And we have prayed, Lord God, if there is any other way, let this pass from me. I do not want to walk through what you're bringing me into. But most of the time, if we're honest, we don't get to that whole, not what I will, but what you will. We probably get there eventually, but as we begin to pray, our prayers are fervent and we're desiring, Lord God, take this away from me. And if you don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord God, take this away from me. Please listen to me, God. If you don't, I might just throw a hissy fit. I'm going to freak out if I don't get what I want. But Christ is not doing that. Tempted with the temptation of choosing his will over the Father's, he says, Lord, no. Not my will be done, your will be done. We're seeing Jesus experiencing a temptation that you and I feel often, yet without sin. And what that means is twofold. First, he understands our own temptation. He understands what it's like to be suffering and struggling and to be weak and to be facing temptation where we're not exactly sure what to do. Jesus is not coming to us in the position of that person. I'm sure you've had this experience where you are walking through struggles and you're wanting to get some help from a friend, but that person has not been through whatever you're going through. And so you get a little bit less helpful advice than you wanted. You don't feel like you're very well listened to. Jesus is not like that. Jesus has experienced every temptation that is common to man. He knows exactly what we are going through because he's experienced the same kinds of temptation as we have. And so as we go to him, he understands where we are. Personally, intimately. But then secondly, as we look to Christ, we also see that Jesus conquered those temptations. He understands where we are and he offers us a gospel way out. That when we've already fallen, he didn't. Where we've fallen, Christ stood firm. And as we trust him in faith and as we rely upon him and are united to him, in God's eyes, what Christ did ultimately is what we did. His record is our record. We have freedom in Jesus. And so where Jesus could have gotten angry and yelled at his disciples because he asked them again, over and over again, just, to, just stay awake. It's not that hard. Just stay awake. He didn't fall into that anger. And by faith in God's eyes, what he did is what we did. Jesus resisted all the pleasures of this world as potential medicine for his hurts. And then by faith, Jesus' success is ours. He let himself be humiliated before all the people in Jerusalem in order to count others more significant than himself. And in God's eyes, by faith, what he did is what we did. So Christ understands our temptation and he is the solution for when we've already fallen. That's good news. 
but he heals us and he redeems us and he makes us new. But finally, there's, it doesn't just end there. The gospel says, yes, we have sinned and Christ didn't and we have his record and we praise God for that. But it also says what we've read in 1 Peter for our promise of the gospel. It says that, yes, he himself bore our sins on the tree. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The gospel gives us hope so that as we continue to face temptation as Christians, we're not walking in it in the same situation as before we were Christians. We have the Holy Spirit. The third thing we see here is that by being in Christ, temptation is not in charge of us. That there is a freedom from the power of sin. What did Christ do when he was suffering and feeling weak in the garden? He practiced what he preached. He prayed all night long. And in Hebrews 4, as it's looking back on this time in Jesus' life, it says that it was through the eternal spirit that he offered himself without blemish to God. So the same Holy Spirit that Christ relied on and prayed in in fellowship with, that same Holy Spirit that kept Christ from falling is the same Holy Spirit that he gives to us. Holy Spirit indwells us. It's with us. It's empowering us. And so if you are in Christ through faith, you are a changed person. You are more of a Holy Spirit person than you are a sinner without hope. You've been changed. You have a new heart. You are a new creation. And so as we come to temptation, our situation has been changed and there's hope. Because God is with us. Always to the end of the age. Remember Christ's words, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation and as you do, the spirit will strengthen you. He'll provide a way out and he'll give you strength to see it and to take it and to fight. And if you don't know exactly how to do that, let me just suggest the Lord's Prayer. We all know the Lord's Prayer and if you just pray that even over and over again, the last lines are, Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. That's all you need. The Holy Spirit strengthens and helps and gives freedom. But there will be a war waging in our souls until we go to be with Christ. We will be fighting. There will be a tug of war. We, though we are made strong in the Spirit, we are going to feel weak because we're people. And so let me close just by giving this wonderful illustration in the Bible of what it looks like to, on the one hand, know that we are weak and wounded, sick and sore, and on the other hand, live as people who the Bible says are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You don't have to turn here. You can just listen. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12... Paul has just talked about how he was given a vision of heaven and he got something that nobody else did. And so the temptation to be prideful and confident was very much with him. And here he begins to talk about what it's looked like to feel weak and strong in the spirit at the same time. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, or we could say overconfident like Peter, 
because of the surpassing greatness of those revelations of heaven, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass and tempt me. It was to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, says Paul. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, if you are in Christ, if you are trusting in him, it is much more true of you that you are Holy Spirit-strengthened people than you are hopeless sinners. And though we will feel weak and though we will feel a war waging inside of us, when we are weak and we know it, then we are strong through prayer. Because God will be with us. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you. We thank you that we can find our situation in your word. We thank you that we can see and experience our temptation and to see that we're not alone. We thank you for Christ, that he has saved us. He has given us his record and he's given us a way out by giving us your spirit. And so we ask for your strength, we ask for your hope, and we ask for your power. We need you, God. And we are thankful that your grace is sufficient for us. It is all that we need. So we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.